Kyle Sondland and Herbert Konings are founding partners for Security Token Group. All opinions expressed by them or guests on this podcast are solely their opinions and do not represent the views of Security Token Group or its subsidiaries. You should not take any opinion expressed on the show as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow any investment strategy. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Welcome back to this week's episode of the Security Token Show, episode 152. I'm your host, Kyle Sondland, in here in sunny Miami, Florida, and we're joined by our guest co-host this week, Peter Gaffney, head of research from Security Token Advisors. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure to be here, Kyle. And let's get right into the episode. We have a lot of news and updates this week, headlined by some of the amazing things in the industry, and of course, our main topic, which is going to be about what happens if your crypto token becomes a security? What is the process there? But before we get into this week's episode, first, I want to thank our sponsor, XY Labs. They're a startup based in California, focusing on software and location data-driven devices, building a global data network focused on people's data and their relationship to the physical world. XY Labs provides a connection between the real and digital worlds through the blockchain, IoT, which is the Internet of Things, as well as other data-focused products. The company was founded in 2012 and boasts an extensive experience with consumer hardware, community, and support combined with the persistence and evolution of the face of changing markets. This allows XY Labs to take the steps to becoming an expansive company with a broad variety of tools and technologies to change the user experience and the way they interact with the physical world. So thank you so much to XY Labs for being our sponsor this week. I know that there's a lot of great announcements coming soon from them to any exchange or marketplace near you. And with that, Peter, I think we can jump into this week's top five. And moving into our top five, Peter, we have some pretty big news here for top week. The, the first one. We all know the Bitcoin savior, Michael Saylor, CEO of MicroStrategy. They've purchased over $2 billion worth of Bitcoin, 129,000 BTC. What happened this week with them? Michael Saylor actually stepped down as CEO this week. Oh. He's uh, reverting over into the executive chairman role. We know how that kind of goes. Unfortunately, given those numbers, he's down, the company's down rather about a billion dollars oh. on the Bitcoin hit. That was uh, a Some big set that yep, yep. hasn't quite paid off yet, but they still have the Bitcoin and Treasury, so they we'll do. see what And his around. new position is to kind of, you know, foresee that and scale it up. We'll see how that goes. Interesting, interesting stuff. And number two, we're moving into Fireblocks and Tokeny, building a relationship. Tokeny is one of the largest issuance platforms for security tokens in Europe, and Fireblocks is one of the largest crypto custody providers in the world. And so now this partnership allows Fireblocks to mint and manage permissioned tokens as opposed to the permissionless cryptocurrency industry. Permissioned tokens representing securities, of course, as we talk about here all the time, as well as stable coins, which need to follow a lot of regulation. Potentially, they also note, note loyalty tokens as another opportunity here. Not exactly sure what that's going to represent, but certainly security tokens are what we care about being the largest market opportunity for the blockchain industry. And they're going to be using the ERC-3643 token standard on the Polygon blockchain, which uses the Ethereum virtual machine. Beautiful. Moving to number three, we got Blockstream, a household name here in the security token space actually announcing their asset issuer protocol platform, whichever you prefer, uh, on its liquid network. For those who know, long-time viewers may know the Blockstream mining node, BMN1, 
was issued on the Liquid Network, actually, as a compliance security token. Seems like blockchain is kind of ramping that up for things like security tokens, utility tokens, stable coins, everything Kyle just mentioned, probably, you know, in realm on that. Another huge platform making it easier to issue security tokens. And into number four, we have Ovenue. They're launching a new platform. This is specifically focused on valuation and financing infrastructure for digital assets, specifically also having a decentralized market maker and lending platform to lend against real world assets, people. This is another security token platform that is offering all the financial infrastructure that you're going to need to create, issue, and manage a security token offering as well as if you're an investor to manage that process. They really went through the whole property here. They, they know that they want to have a valuation software to help you actually manage what the underlying asset is worth, a securitization platform to actually create an investment product behind those valuated assets, a tokenization platform to actually act as the cap table and immutable record of the ownership of that security. Then they've got a marketplace for NFTs and other non-regulated assets. Presumably, they don't have their broker ATS licenses yet. And then finally, they've got a finance protocol that enables that decentralized market making as well as the lending platform itself. So they're really trying to cover the whole gamut here. Shout out to Ovenu. Yep. And naturally, Ovenu was a security token advisor's clients. We love seeing that happen. Doing great work. Excited for more. On that note, moving into number five for the week, we have DigiFT launching a decentralized security token exchange over in Singapore. They got admitted by the MAS, the Monetary Authority of Singapore. A lot happened in Singapore on the exchange level on the issuer level, on the investor level. Keep an eye on that area. A lot of news coming out. And that's our top five. Let's go to Annie Yancey for the rest of the industry news. Hey, tokenizers. Happy Monday. Annie Yancey over here with your industry updates. First off, we have Saudi Arabia joining the security token phenomenon. The Saudi Capital Market Authority, or CMA for short, has announced it will have regulations for security token offering by the end of 2022. 12 fintech companies presented their innovative solutions to the CMA. They hope this offering will attract foreign investment firms interested in the fintech domain in KSA. One of the business models pertains to using distributed ledger technology, or DOT, to arrange the offering of securities and custody service in coordination with the issuer and the authorized person, assigned by the issuer as an offering advisor. The Saudi fintech industry witnessed the largest number of venture capital investment deals. They expect this regulatory framework to take the financial services industry to new highs as well as stimulate investments. Moving on, last week we saw Coinbase in the headlines asking for clarification from the SEC. Well, this week they are making new friends. The company is partnering with BlackRock, the world's largest asset manager. They are providing institutional clients of Aladdin, its investment management platform, with direct access to crypto. This will be done through connectivity with Coinbase Prime. Coinbase Prime will provide crypto trading, custody, prime brokerage, and reporting capabilities to Aladdin's institutional client base. Coinbase Prime integrates the entire transaction lifecycle. It will allow clients to manage their Bitcoin exposures directly in their existing portfolio management and trade workflows for a whole portfolio view of risk across asset classes. The functionalities will be rolled out in phases for interested clients. Shout out to Coinbase for continuing to raise the crypto bar. Bitcoin and Ethereum are being talked about Again, and this time they're under, they're going <laughs> to be under commodity regulators. If the Senate 
passes the bill they've been working on, then both Bitcoin and Ethereum will be under the Commodity Futures Trading Commission. The Senate seems to have agreed Bitcoin is a commodity. Ethereum, however, is not as easy as easy to decide on, and the current SEC and XRP lawsuit might shed some light on the issue. Nothing has been finalized yet, but we will keep you updated on this bill. See you all next week with more news. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Security Token Updates. We have a lot to discuss today, so let's get right into it. First up, we have United States Property Coin, or USPC. Funded and sponsored by Southern California real estate development firm Premier, USPC tokens will function as fractionalized ownership in a diversified portfolio that is expected to benefit from current income and long-term appreciation of real estate assets, creating a more reliable store of value and a medium of exchange. As cryptocurrency backed by physical income-producing real estate, USPC aims to provide an effective tool to work around rising inflation and market uncertainty. The goal is to achieve the ability for token holders who initially seek value in a rapidly appreciating asset to instead see a greater value in USPC as a more risk-adjusted investment option. For more information on this first-of-its-kind project, please visit USPC.io and join their Twitter and Discord communities. Next up, we have TruckPal. TruckPal we've talked about before. They're a blockchain-based SaaS serving the Chinese freight market. They've partnered with INX, the owner of blockchain-based digital trading platforms for digital securities and cryptocurrencies, to offer the TruckPal digital security token. The offering is now live with a fundraising goal of $20 million. This is a first-of-its-kind project with investments from VC firm Beyond Ventures. HGC is the parent company and is leading the digital SaaS space in the Chinese freight market. HGC maintains its strength and position through continuous business innovation and an open system of development. You can head over to INX for more information on this offering. Next up, we have news from OSL, who has become the first SFC-licensed digital asset broker to sell security tokens to professional investors with a security token offering out of Hong Kong. Each token represents $10,000 of a Bitcoin-linked coupon rate bond. BC Group is acting as the issuer and bond guarantor. OSL provided the end-to-end services for the STO transaction. They will distribute security tokens to professional investors in Hong Kong through this private security token offering, becoming the first Type 1 SFC-licensed digital asset broker to do so. The tokens have a three-month tenor and a fixed bonus coupon tied to Bitcoin performance, where and this was created using the Ethereum network. OSL is the region's most comprehensive licensed digital asset platform and the world's first insured SFC licensed digital digital asset platform to provide prime brokerage, custody, exchange, SaaS services, all for its institutional clients and professional investors. For more information, head over to the tokenizer or CoinCora. Next up, DigiFT has launched a decentralized security token exchange. DigiFT has successfully listed a one-month security token issued by Diners Club on August 1st, 2022. This is the first launch of a regulatory-compliant security token on the public chain Ethereum with an automatic market maker liquidity pool. DigiFT was founded in 2020 and is striving to be the first regulated decentralized security trading exchange. This is very exciting to see the ability to trade real-world assets on a public blockchain. They are currently operating in the Monetary Authority of Singapore's fintech regulatory sandbox. 
Keep an eye on DigiFT as they aim to provide regulated decentralized finance solutions on the Ethereum public blockchain. You can head over to more to Yahoo Finance for more information on that. Oh, that is all for this week, guys. We are getting more and more in this space, and every week there's more to cover. Now we'll send it over to SJS.eth for some market updates. Hello and happy Monday! The security token market cap is traded below $18 billion, settling at just over $17.8 billion. Our big gainer of the week is Millennium Sapphire, which we talked about not too long ago, up over 7% on the week, while Cruiser Research is our big loser, slumping over 15%. And there's ugly news from the Solana world, as hackers have targeted the Solana ecosystem, draining crypto funds from thousands of hot wallets connected to the internet. It seems as if hackers have been able to steal both Solana's own cryptocurrency, Sol, and some compatible with the Solana blockchain, like the stablecoin USDC. As the attack is ongoing, the value of the asset stolen is not clear, but reports from independent analysts and security firms like PeckShield estimate losses are worth as much as $8 million US dollars so far. And the hack has drained more than 8,000 user wallets so far. It wasn't a result of some sort of wide-ranging system failure. It was likely due to egregiously bad security practices by cryptocurrency wallet provider Slope. According to security company Otter, the hack was due to Slope sending user seed phrases in plain text to a centralized server. A seed phrase is equivalent to a crypto private key. It's a string of words that unlock the funds in a crypto wallet, allowing whoever owns the phrase to do whatever they please. And plain text means that these seed phrases were sent over the internet unencrypted, making them an easy target for hackers. It seems as if in this case, centralization was the downfall of decentralization. And activity is still being monitored and a solution has not yet been solved. But as we now know, even the most well-known companies in the industry may not have the best security protocols in place, which is why it is so important to have a cold wallet that can take your key storage offline and provide protection that a hot wallet, which is always connected to the internet, does not. Next week, we're going to dig into what I believe is one of the best opportunities in security token land and potentially best opportunities of the decade. But that's all for now. Have an amazing rest of your week and I'll see you next Monday. Wakey wakey, welcome to Inside the Metaverse with your host, Eve Van Cole. Transact deploys a functional Metaverse ATM in Decentraland. The Transact ATM is the world's first fiat to crypto ATM designed to work interoperably in Decentraland. The ATM made for users to easily purchase mana or any other cryptocurrency. This was hopes of easing the overall user experience. And just like an ATM in real life, the goal is to give users a more seamless journey while navigating Web3. They said, with hopes of supporting the Burkening Decentraland ecosystem with tools, technology necessary for us to facilitate frictionless conversion rates in stores and reduce the knowledge gap for participation in Decentraland. Next, Meta confirms NFT rollout across 100 countries amid Coinbase integration. The news was confirmed by Mark Zuckerberg in a post on Facebook. Instagram users in certain countries will now be able to showcase their NFTs after a successful testing round. And the social media platform will also add support for the Flow blockchain. Moving forward, Tiffany & Co. launches exclusive CryptoPunk NFT jewelry. The collection is comprised of 250 NF tips, which each went on sale August 5th for 30 ETH and roughly about $50,000. Only wallets that hold the verified NFT can enter the sale, with each respective CryptoPunk being able to be minted three times. 
Next, Starbucks unveils its Web3 based rewards program next month, which includes a coffee themed NFT. Noting the NFTs wouldn't just serve as digital collectibles, but also will provide their owners with access to exclusive content and other perks. That was Inside the Metaverse with your host, Eve Vancol. And that's another great Metaverse segment from Eve. And now, Peter, it's time for my favorite segment on the show. This is the Companies of the Week. This is the two companies that Peter and I picked this week that we wanted to specifically highlight for doing something interesting in the industry that deserved a little bit of recognition. And of course, they get one vote into the Companies of the Year segment Very that nice. we'll hear at the end of the year. Okay, Last year was INX and the year prior with T0 winning those awards. So, Peter, please kick it off. Who's your company of the week? You know, Kyle, I'm going with Firebox. Mm. Custodian level. This is kind of big, especially institutionally thinking, looking at fiduciaries, looking at the growth of the industry. This is a crucial piece. As we covered today, Fireblox integrated with Tokeny. They do stuff with IX Swap, a decentralized exchange, Onera, tokens.com. And even in discussions we're having with banks and institutions, they're kind of the front runner. Name is a common recurrence in these conversations. We're running with Fireblocks. You may have heard the term custody before, but it's actually, I think, a really underrated part of the security token issuance Definitely. process because someone has to be in responsibility of not only the actual underlying asset itself, of course, somebody needs to be managing the cap table, but then, of course, if you're raising money, someone needs to be the person that's taking in that money and, and holding that on your behalf. This is not something that just gets solved by a random intermediary. You need licenses and you need somebody that's done this in the past. So having a large inter international custody firm like Fireblocks that has familiarity with the blockchain space, getting them more and more integrated in the security token space is crucial. Absolutely, absolutely. On that note, Kyle, what are you thinking this week? What are we rolling with? My company of the week is DigiFT. Mm. And we talk about this a lot. I love new platforms coming out to provide secondary market liquidity. This is really important. DigiFT, based out of Singapore, they're another decentralized exchange mm -hmm. and automated market maker coming out of the region. We know how the Monetary Authority of Singapore has their sandbox, their regulatory right. environment that allows for any issuer or any platform financial services company to work under the watchful eye of the regulator and allows them to kind of experiment with a lot of these different pieces until they can eventually graduate and actually be a fully operating business with the, the blessing of the regulator. I think this is something that's fantastic. We don't have that anything like that here in the States. It's a great model. And so this is another decentralized exchange coming out of Singapore. Not only is it centralized, we see ADEX and, and others that have come out of that space, but just like IXSwap, a decentralized exchange, mm -hmm. another one now, DigiFX, is coming out. They also launched not only with just the platform, but they have their first asset listing which is a financial services company that is launching now and hopefully going to be creating some new structured products. I know that Megan covered that in more detail in her segment. So shout out to DigiFT. They're on the Ethereum blockchain. So they're just trying to do it tried and true, make it easy. They're doing some cool stuff. And that's my company of the week. And with that, let's dive into our main topic this week about remediations and rescission. Mm. So just a couple of weeks ago, Herwig and I did a main topic on Coinbase versus the SEC. Recently, the SEC came out and declared that there were nine tokens on Coinbase's exchange that they considered securities, meaning that Coinbase was not licensed to trade those securities. We've seen Coinbase delist tokens like Ripple in the past that have experienced similar scrutiny from the SEC. And now Binance is doing the same with a specific token that was 
one of those nine listed by the SEC. So, Peter, I want to turn the conversation to you, head of research at Security Token Advisors. You're working with a ton of clients that are either maybe not work, working through this process, but you've seen certainly more than the average person. Let's say your crypto is a security. Now what? Great question, Kyle. And something we get a lot, you know, on the consulting end is, hey, I want to launch like an ICO or some token raise capital. Some people, they probably mean well, but really we're talking security tokens. We're talking securities, regulated compliant capital raises. And even talking to partners in the space, other ATSs who are licensed, alternative mm -hmm. trading systems, I'm sure you know if you're a longtime viewer. Um, you know, they hear they come from traditional capital markets backgrounds. They hear all these exchanges and they say, whoa, I know what a real exchange is, a NASDAQ, <laughs> an NYSE, a London Stock Exchange Group type. These are more so order matching systems. So they always step back and say, how are these companies running exchanges under that term without being properly licensed and doing things by the book with the SEC? And now it's kind of come to fruition. So people who foresaw that, good for you, Coinbase, you know, Binance, Gemini, you've been making you know, good steps in the world, good strides. Obviously, we're following through. But really, the next step is looking forward. And a lot of these companies, the Coinbase's, the Gemini's, the Binance's, the FTX, either have ATS licenses or made investments in securities compliant or securities exchanges, true exchanges. Mm -hmm. So I see the writing on the wall as kind of like they're prepping for it and they've been ready for it, which is kind of telling. The reckoning. Exactly, the reckoning. <laughs> so it's coming here. The real scenario is going to be now, okay, how do we move things from, let's say, the Coinbase exchange, Coinbase Pro or whatever the rebranding has, to the ATS. Mm. If things do come this way, and if it's going to be a cascading effect across all listed tokens and, and cryptocurrencies in general, how do we start moving to the ATS side? Yeah, it's fascinating. You know, I don't, you know, it, it would be something about, you know, working with the regulators to make sure we have some sort of grace period to get all the ducks in a row. Of course. And like we have uh, Coinbase Capital Markets is their ATS rebranded from Keystone a while ago. Gemini Galactic announced earlier in January, ATS. Binance investing in HG Exchange uh, over in Asia, that's a securities exchange. FTX investing in IAX, another exchange securities-wise. You know, so, a lot of ammo there for them to work with. So I would love to see what they do with that. It's really interesting because when you look at financial services companies, like let's say banking regulation, right, which yeah. is governed by a okay. whole host of yeah. different, different regulations, Dodd-Frank and others that mm -hmm. really are a lot of the, the banking infrastructure and regulation. You, they're really specific around semantics. And by they, I mean the SEC, FINRA, and, and all the, the regulatory bodies are very, very specific around semantics. So if you are not, if you don't have a, a national bank charter, you're not allowed to call yourself a bank. You can't say we're a bank and you can't say we're a crypto bank. You're, you're not allowed to use that term at all. And in the securities world, exchange was on a similar level. Any ATS, alternative trading system, which is the licensed platform that T0 has or INX has, this is the license that is kind of like a baby exchange. They can't do all the things that NASDAQ can, out there. Mm -hmm. but they can at least provide some secondary liquidity. They are not allowed to call themselves an exchange. And, and they are very, when you talk, if you were to talk to anybody from those teams, which we have many conversations, they are very, very careful to use the terms like marketplace yeah. or platform or different things that are not 
called exchange. Why? Because of the fact that the that FINRA and the SEC are very, very adamant. You'd be careful, right? right? Yeah. You'd be very careful. So that's why it's always been a bit of a head scratcher that these crypto exchanges and yeah. call themselves exchanges because it's like, wait, you're you're not an exchange. You haven't filed. I think it's the N1, which is the, the filing for an exchange. You don't have an exchange license. So, so this has always, I think, been a really interesting concept of, okay, if you're calling yourself an exchange, you're providing liquidity for these assets, many of which may look like securities, you may have to get licensed. And I think to your point, we're seeing a lot of hedging going on by yeah. some of the largest on the platforms side, yeah. to try to add some level of broker or ATS licenses to cover their bases, maybe in case of the conversion of some of their cryptos, or as we saw with Gemini, actually potentially embracing securities yeah. as opposed to cryptos because maybe they're just better investments altogether. You see, these headlines won't make the uh, the public eye as much as like a, an Ethereum derivative or a bank starting up a crypto trading desk, or whatever. They don't want you, you know, to see those headlines, but they know what's happening in the back end. We know what's happening in the back end. That is the trend that's kind of taking taking foot here. Right. So let's talk about there's kind of maybe two different paths, and right. and one is for the platform, the exchange itself, and then maybe one is for the issuer, right? So I think that when we're talking about the exchange, it can get hairy because you're not sure which issuers are securities and which ones are not, and that really starts to cause some concern. So I have a four-step process for each path. So maybe I'll kind of break down that, that process. The first one is when we're talking about the issuer themselves. This is this is really where we got to start is on an individual issuer basis. The first thing that these issuers need to do if there's concerns is to settle your claims or concerns with the SEC. So you either need to figure out and prove beyond a reasonable doubt that you are not a security through either getting a no action letter or settling or getting some kind of ruling. You need to figure out how to get more clarity on your specific offering from the SEC's perspective. This is what Ripple's going through that process now. We've seen companies like Saya that settled for, I think, 500,000 or whatever in, in this process to suggest, okay, we are or are not a security or we're going to get all the legalese out of the way because we see that that's the biggest scary thing for the exchanges is if you have active lawsuits or active problems going on with the SEC, that is a no-go. So that is the first thing that needs to happen. And there's a lot of precedent being set with Ripple with these now nine that are going to you know, come through yeah. with the one that Binance delisted. We're in a very you know, high tides type of moment. Yeah. Right here. We're going to see a lot of precedent set for potentially the next decade to come. Yeah. So this is important stuff. The other legal component here is the class action lawsuits. So we see this with Ripple. We've seen this with others where the community, the investors may be pissed off. And think about how many investors that could be. How many wallet addresses hold even one of these coins, one of these tokens. So you need to figure out how to get the legal off the table. Mm -hmm. And again, the easiest way to do that would just be to do a security token offering and register as a a security, either as a publicly registered security or to use one of the private securities fundraising exemptions Mm -hmm. to do that. That's the easiest way. And again, on top of that, you can actually add more value to your token because now you could attach equity or revenue or, right, right, right. or some of these other pieces. But again, that's besides the point because you should have done that already. Not, not now. Now, the once you get the legal problems out of the way, now we need to talk about the fact that you still have an illegal token. Like, okay, great. We, we settled this process, but 
we're going to have to reissue this token. The reconcile. The reconcile of that process. So we can call it remediation. I like the term rescission because it sounds more aggressive, but it's a little, it's a little scarier. <laughs> so when we're talking about reissuance, we've seen this example happen with like BCAP, for example. So blockchain capital in 2013, they're a blockchain fund. They did a security token, except they didn't quite do it exactly the way that I think they would have liked to, or certainly as the the process became more clear, they realized it wasn't up to standard. So what they did, or we saw with Polymath, with the, the oh, Poly yeah. to PolyX yeah, token, we've seen this with Science doing SCI to the SCI2 token, that's why the ticker is different, is that you essentially lock up or you, you volunteer the tokens that you have into the protocol, those are burned or removed from circulation, and then you are reissued that new token with the additional standards. This may also include you having the KYC or do AML or these different processes, and that's part of the, the business of reissuing the token because guess what? You need to do it the right way. Just because you've, you've accepted the problems and you've admitted your mistake, now you have to rectify, and that's step three. Right. And see, even on that, there's a masterclass happening right behind the scenes. So people don't realize when you have a security token, a digital security, you don't have to worry about it getting hacked or stolen or losing your wallet, whatever. If something happens, we have you whitelisted. We know who you are, the KYC, AML, whatever, the transfer agent you're working with, you just reissue that. So should there be an issue like this in the future, something does happen, you're always golden. You're not going to lose your security right. in a speedboat accident, whatever, let's say, the crypto <laughs> community. You're golden. So that's another key point just in this process that you have now have the added benefit to offer your investors and yourself as the issuer. And then the final piece of this is once you've actually issued your successful security token, you've embraced mm -hmm. the laws and regulations behind the asset, maybe you've added additional value Eventually. to the token in the reissuance process. Now you can begin relisting onto the compliant platforms that can accept it. Yeah. Now you can't, sorry, you can't list on Coinbase anymore. Now you're security, so now you got to start working with ATSs. So maybe Coinbase is uh, ATS is interested. They haven't listed anything thus far. So more than likely, you're going to want to go to securitized markets, INX, T0 in the US, or many of the other ATSs here in the United States, or you may want to go internationally. You've got Archex. You've got other platforms in Singapore, as we've mentioned, like potentially DigiFT. Like so IX swaps. IX swaps, exactly right. Components. They'll keep the crypto-esque atmosphere, but doing it compliantly. Totally right. You can still have all the benefits, even if you look at Realty, Mount Pelerano, oh, or yeah. others, use Uniswap. If you want mm -hmm. to, if you can operate that whitelist, if you think that that's compliant in your jurisdiction, which it wouldn't be necessarily as always in the United States, if you have U.S. investors, but internationally, there are seem to be other opportunities for you to do that. Certainly check your own legal advice on that front. None of this. We're not lawyers for sure. No. Now, let's look at the other side. So if you're Coinbase and you're in this situation and you're looking at the fact that you have this renaissance potentially coming of securities, I have my other four-step process that we can dive into. Let's hear it. Let's get it. First off, you got to get rid of the non-compliant assets, which they've done in some examples. We saw Binance getting rid of, right. it's the AMP token, I believe, is the one that's, that's most recent. And you've had examples of this in the past of removing, trimming the fat, getting rid of the scar tissue. If they are clear-cut security, you can't trade it. You can't list it. That's the first liability. They would pause that, pause all trading, and then just withdraw from the exchange. Give the investors some time to figure the move out and bounce. Get off my lawn. Yeah. Number two is you got to review the other assets. Because unfortunately, you got to do a risk analysis of like, okay, well, if this one 
is a security and it passed our compliance. We got to make sure that the light none of the other assets. ones. <laughs> it's cascading effect. Let's that's try to case. prevent this from happening in the future. So that's step two. Step three is what we've seen a lot of these larger platforms already do, which is acquiring licenses to protect against future regulation. If you want to trade securities, if you want to protect yourself against this, then you need to make sure that you have the proper licenses to handle these assets. So we see a lot of these different exchanges either acquiring ATSs or brokers, sometimes making investments in those things. You could even potentially build partnerships and hang your broker-dealer license on a different broker-dealer. I know Intoro has done a lot of things like that in the security token space and is always willing to work with issuers. If you're a crypto exchange, you got to find ways to allow for regulated assets to move across that platform off of your plate and onto someone else's that's regulated and able to do so. Number four is that you got to embrace securities laws. Sorry, but that's the reality is that they're not changing. This is stuff that we've been talking about for three years here on the show and 80 years in securities laws. This is not changing. It's just better for the investor protection. It's better for the economy. It's just it's needed. You need accountability in this industry. Not everyone, not every crypto is going to be a security. Not every single asset in this blockchain space needs to be a security. But certainly I think more than have already been recognized are likely about to face this reckoning. I think even, you know, as a bold case for these uh, exchanges, for these marketplaces to be more, uh, you know, semantic on point, um, there's an opportunity for them to generate additional revenue. Though, When you become an ATS, a broker dealer, and now you're doing diligence on securities, you know, all these uh, marketplaces have different listing fees and processes, but there could be an additional layer now that their team is saying, wow, I got to hire more securities analysts and figure out how, what I want to list, what types of assets I want to list equity, debt, revenue, share, whatever, there could be whole layers that a Coinbase or a Binance builds out to benefit their own bottom line while servicing the issuers and the investors properly. So there's two sides to the coin. This is not a bad thing for Coinbase or for the Binances of the world. Think about that. Two sides of every coin. Mm-hmm. And that's precision. That's remediation. That is what potentially is going to be happening. And that's your playbook for if you're a token issuer, if you're a crypto exchange, for anybody that's potentially facing some oversight from regulators, make sure you dot your I's, cross your T's, and bat down the hatches because the revolution is coming, especially in a bear market. This is when regulations tend to come because investors are the ones that get screwed. That's just not fair. Nobody wants that. So with that, I think that's about it to wrap it up here. This is the Security Token Show. Please like, subscribe, share this everywhere. Make sure that you blast this to anybody that might need to know a little bit more about what potentially is to come in the future. And thank you so much. Please leave us tweets, leave us messages, DMs, go on LinkedIn, follow either Peter or myself, follow the show, and make sure you subscribe on our YouTube channel for all of our other great content, as well as the What's Drippin' newsletter by Jonah Shulman. So with that, thank you so much for watching, and happy tokenizing. Thank you.